So Nate, welcome. Thank you for joining Art of the Assistant today, man. Thanks, Treg. Great to be here. We're lo really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, this is going to be good today. Um, if you're listening, and I have a son that's homesick, so instead of my dog laying at my feet, he's going from me to my son, back to me. So if you're watching and you see um, uh, this golden thing come in the corner, that's that's my labradoodle coming back and forth. But Nate, as we get started and, and we get talking about this subject of investing, just, just tell us about your journey and how you ended up doing what you're doing from, from ministry um, in regards of teaching now to teaching others how to invest. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I live in Pensacola, Florida. If you're familiar with that, that's the end of the panhandle. So it's technically Florida. It's, uh, it's basically Alabama, but it's technically Florida, but we're, yeah. we're enjoying the warm weather and the sunshine and nice beaches. I went to Bible college. I graduated from West Coast um, back in 2012 and went uh, initially for uh, secondary ed. I, I thought, uh, well, I, I feel like God's given me the gift of teaching and I love history. And I felt like, well, I, and I didn't know, I didn't know what I was going to do going into college. I just figured, all right, this, I'll just go with this until I know otherwise. And so I uh, ended up coming back to my home church in Pittsburgh and teaching there for a few years. And I loved it. And I loved teaching and the students and the subject matter. But I, I figured out pretty early on that I didn't think that's what I was going to do for 30 years. And I got connected with uh, a guy in our church and then some other guys in our church that were in the world of finance. And the more I learned about it, the more I realized, oh, I think this, this checks all the boxes of what I'm looking to do. I think the way that um, I'm, I'm equipped and passionate about. And so that started that journey. And we moved down here to Pensacola about four and a half years ago. And two years ago, I, I started my own business, Financial Pathway. And so really, I wear two hats now. I've got my business hat right. I'm a financial planner. And I, I work with a lot of pastors and church leaders um, on retirement planning. But I have a ministry hat. And I think that's what we're going to be talking more on today. Whereas I just have this passion to, to help churches, to help Christians, to have a biblical worldview of their finances. It's an area that you alluded to, Treg, that like, as Christians, sometimes we're shy to have that conversation. It's a difficult subject because it's so personal, but we need to talk about it. The Bible talks about it a ton, and we need to be informed from a biblical worldview. What does the Bible have to say about money? And then how do I apply that in my 21st century American position, whether that's in ministry or something else? And I know, of, of course, most of the audience here are going to be um, going to be those you know, serving in, in full time ministry. Right. No, that's that's really good. So Nate, when when you're you're talking about not sure what you were going to do in college and then coming out um, was would you say it was just a desire that you had towards finance and investment that kind of led you that way and kind of a love for those things that, you know, some of these guys, they might be sitting out there thinking, man, I'm teaching in a Christian school too, but I, I just, I'm enjoying this something else. How did you know, okay, this is what God wanted me to do. And then we'll dive into some. Yeah. Um, I mean, some people talk about, you know, feeling a call to ministry and, and I, I'll be honest with you. I, I never felt a quote unquote call or like this deep burning desire. Like I have to serve in ministry. I just more had the, the mindset of what can I do that is meaningful, that has a, a real impact in people's lives that, that I can be passionate about and get behind with a hundred percent of my being. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, how can I use whatever that is 
to serve the Lord. And so I'm not in full-time ministry if we want to use that terminology, but I'm using what I do to try to minister to others. And so I think that's just the attitude we all have to have of, you know, whether I'm getting paid from a church or not getting paid from a church, how do I use wherever I'm at to be a missionary, to minister, to use my gifts that God's given me to serve his church? And um, I'm just very happy. I'm just very happy that I get to use it in a very in a more public way, I guess, because yeah. I think teaching is is what God's gifted me to do. I think a lot of that's more public, um, but it doesn't have to be public. It, it can be a lot of times just a very private, behind the scenes, a way of ministering as well. Man, I love that. That is so good. So, so as you you talk to pastors and 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 you know leaders, what what would you say? Nate is is one of the things that you see that I don't know if it's the word is the biggest mistake, or you know as you talk to pastors maybe a common thing that you see is it is it not taking investing seriously is it not investing enough what is something as you've talked to as you've been out there that that you see that man I just wish these guys wouldn't do this or have done this sure um, I think I I think I see a, a change I'm very I, I'm very encouraged I think by what I'm seeing from a younger generation of, of pastors and ministry leaders, because I think there was a time frame where the prevailing attitude was, Hey, bless God. You just, you get out there and you serve and you, you, you know, you, you, you pass your ministry and you don't worry about the future and you don't worry about finances and you don't invest and you don't save because God's going to take care of you. Yeah. And I think what I, I think what a lot of guys are coming to realize both those that have lived through that and are now getting into that retirement phase mm-hmm. And they're now looking back and realizing, oh, it wasn't a, it didn't have to be one or the other. You know, the Bible is very clear that we don't trust our finances. You know, we don't put our faith in our 401k or our salary because, I mean, that's, that's going to lead to a world of problems. But the Bible also does have a lot to say about the wisdom of saving and preparing for the future. I mean, you read the book of Proverbs and it is chock full of those principles about the wise man has treasure saved up. The, the ant stores up in the winter. And there's this principle that you save and prepare and plan for the future because there's probably coming a time where you won't have the same opportunity or capacity to provide for yourself like you do right now, whether Mm -hmm. that's because of retirement, age, sickness. So we can do both. We can be wise, save for the future, plan and prepare, and also trust God that ultimately he's in charge and he will take care of our needs. It doesn't have to be a one or the other. So I think the the mistake that I see a lot of ministry leaders making is sort of having this idea of, well, I'm in ministry. Maybe I don't make a lot of money and it's just not a priority. It's yeah. well, if I have extra money, I guess I'll save it. Maybe I'll put something in a Roth for a Roth IRA or something, but otherwise it's just kind of out of sight, out of mind. Mm. And um, it may not seem urgent, right now, but I think guys that are closer to retirement age will, will look back and tell you, yeah, I, I wish I had done more when I had the opportunity. I think that's what I hear more than anything else. Yeah, no, I, and, and, I, and I'm the same. And even, you know, when I was early on in ministry, um, so that would have been 22 years ago, 25 years ago, coming up, talking to older men in ministry, you know, one of the things that, that they all did was they all opted out of social security. Mm-hmm. You know, social security is not going to be there. You know, when you're of retirement age, you can't trust the government, you know, take advantage of this opportunity to opt out. And that's hurting a lot of guys right now Yes, that opted out. They could have had that. 
And, and so what's happening is that even if they wanted to retire, there's no luxury of retiring. You know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to pastor. They're going to have to, you know, stay in the pulpit up in their late seventies before they'll be able to eventually stop. And maybe some of them never able to eventually stop what's in their savings account is what they have. Yeah. On the, on the social security side, I think part of that is also uh, not a full understanding of what social security entails Mm -hmm. because we all understand, okay, social security means I get a paycheck one day when I retire, but it's more than that. Uh, When you pay into social security, that's paying for your Medicare expenses. Part a is about $500 a month and that's covered under social security taxes. But if you didn't, then you'd have to pay that out of pocket. There's survivor benefits, spousal benefits, there's disability. So even if you don't die, but you're disabled. So like there's a whole host of benefits that social security gives you. My advice to pastors is always don't opt out. By the way, you only, you can only technically opt out in the first two years anyway. And unfortunately, if you opted out right now, there's not a way for you to opt back in that may, they may open that up in the future. They've opened it up a couple of times in the past, you know, to opt back in. But I would say maybe for a guy who has opted out and he's like, oh man, I, I shouldn't have done that. What you can do though, is you can still pay into social security through non-ministry income. So maybe that means getting a side job or working, you know, a, 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 in, a, in another capacity on the side to build up those, you know, 40 quarters, the 10 years worth of social security. So that way you have it in place. And I think that's definitely worthwhile to do. Yeah, that's really good. Nate. So, so let me, um, you know, give a practical example of that. So I'm 39 years old. I'm, I'm training for the Morgantown Marathon. So 10 days before that marathon, I'm laying on the bathroom floor of our church before Wednesday night Bible study, dying of a heart attack. And, and it was 100% blockage in the Widowmaker. I shouldn't be here today. And, and so I survived four hours. Nobody could believe I survived. The next day, doctors are coming in. They just they said, we just want to meet the guy that made it four hours with 100% blockage in the Widowmaker. And, and God kept me alive. But if, if I would have died, okay, I didn't opt out of Social Security. And so my children would have get a portion of that. You know, my wife is going to get a portion of what I would have received that would not only on top of life insurance that would have paid you know, the house off, it would have, they would have had regular income coming through until 18. Or if it would have done damage where I couldn't full-time ministry, I would have that disability then. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a wonderful example. And just the idea of retirement, I think we got to be really clear. So, you know, like, oh, I'm never going to retire. Well, what does that mean? retire from ministry or retire from receiving your primary income from a church. We don't retire from ministry. God doesn't say, Hey, you turned 65 and now just take it easy. Don't serve me anymore. No, but there are times and seasons in life where we have to recognize what's best for God's church is that maybe I move into another role. I'm in another phase of life and that's okay. But you're right. Like you said, a lot of pastors feel like I can't do that. Because I'm beholden to a church for my paycheck. If I'm not paid from a church, where am I even going to go? And the pastor suffers, the church suffers, and it's not ideal. And it all goes back to a decision that you know, probably could have been avoided if perhaps they had gotten better advice at the time. Yeah, so that's good. All right, so so you're an advocate. Do not opt out of Social Security. That'd be your advice yes. to the guys listening right now coming in. If you guys are within your two years and you're praying about it, 
We agree. Don't opt out. So then, okay, I have social security, but I still don't believe that's enough because uh, we, we don't know. So and we it, need and it won't be. <laughs> it won't be. Absolutely. And so now I, I need to not only do that, I need to do some investing. So Nate, how, how do I, as a 25 year old, how do I know how to invest? What do I invest? Do I, do I go over and just go down to my local, um, you know, investor that's here in town? Maybe it's a bank, you know, maybe it, 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 it is a, a, a small firm and let them invest my money. How do I even start? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And one that I get all the time. Um, I would, well, let me say a couple things here. First of all, Early on, when you're just starting investing, I, I wouldn't get too worked up about the the minute details of okay, what is it I'm going to invest in? Because early on, your savings rate makes a way bigger difference than you what whatever you're investing in. What I mean by that is, let's say you have five thousand dollars that you're investing. If you get a ten percent return, that's five hundred dollars. Now, that's nothing to like, you know, five hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. But is that going to make or break your financial future? Well, no course not. Mm-hmm. And really, when you think about how much you can save a month, just about everybody can save more than $500 in a year. So what you can save yourself is probably way more than whatever you would make even in a good year, quote unquote. Yeah. So early on, be more concerned with how much you're saving and be consistent with that as opposed to like, okay, well, should I invest in this fund, this stock? Um, as far as investing, there's a lot. It's it's really nice now. We have so many options, so many places you can start an account, but that right. can be somewhat overwhelming too. Mm-hmm. Let me just give a couple of just suggestions, some places to, to look at starting an account. Um, a couple of places that uh, will do it automated for you to where it's like, okay, you, you I'm this age, you answer a few questions about yourself and they're going to pre-build a portfolio for you that's a low cost and that's just going to make sense for where you need to be at that stage of your life. Uh, Betterment and Wealthfront are two places that, you know, I, I would have no problems recommending people to to check out, especially if you're starting investing. Mm-hmm. Um, they charge, I think, a quarter percent a year as a management fee. So it's a very reasonable again. Wealthfront and Wealthfront. Betterment. Um, okay. They call them robo-advisors is another term for them. So yeah. um Another place is Charles Schwab. They have kind of pre-built portfolios that are, again, based on your age range. So for somebody who's just looking to get started, they just want to plug it in and go. Those are great places to start. A lot of young people want to go to like a Robinhood or or another brokerage site where they kind of buy and sell individual stocks or crypto. And while that can be fun, it's not what I would recommend for your serious long-term money. Yeah. If, if you want to take a couple hundred bucks and be like, hey, I'm just going to kind of see what I can do with it. I mean, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But really, the bulk, the vast majority of your money, that's your long-term retirement money, needs to be invested in a way that's very boring and very passive. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a whole phrase that says, good investing is like watching paint dry. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not exciting. There's no confetti. There's no, like, you know, checking your phone multiple times a day to see where the market is. If that's the case, that's not going to be healthy. Um, I would recommend finding, a, if, if that's what you want to do, find find a more enjoyable hobby. Like <laughs> golf, go hunting, go like, I mean, that's yeah. just going to drive you nuts yeah. and the that's return great. just won't be worth it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what I would recommend. Now, let me say this though, Treg, for, for guys that are in ministry, 
they really need to be looking at a 403b through their church. And, yeah. and here's the reason why. Um, as a pastor, you are able to claim housing allowance, which is a big tax benefit. So if you're a licensed ordained minister, part of your income can be housing allowance. You don't have to pay income taxes on that amount. If you have a 403B that is set up by your church, you can make contributions into the 403B. You're not going to be taxed on that money. You don't have to pay taxes on this year. The money will be invested as long as it's inside the account. It will grow and the interest and the earnings are not being taxed. But then when you go to pull that money out, normally people that invest in a 401k through their work or a regular IRA, the IRS is going to say, okay, now when you take it out in retirement, now it's time to pay up because we didn't charge you taxes back then, but now you have to pay us. But here's the really cool thing for pastors with a 403b account, the withdrawals, you can designate those as housing allowance up to the amount that whatever your housing allowance Mm. would be for that year. So like if a pastor's housing allowance is $30,000 and he's pulling out $20,000 out of his 403b, he could designate that as housing allowance and pay no income tax. So no tax going in, no tax while it's in, no tax coming out. That's the best thing going for pastors. So to me, that should be option number one for those that are licensed ordained ministers. Not every church has a 403B in place. And and that's something that, you know, you'd have to talk through and and see which, um, you know, there's different options out there and and see which, which provider makes most sense. But that's something that, you know, as, as a financial planner coming into situations where I can say, Hey, pastor here, I let's set up this four or three B for you. And, and the amount of tax savings right there, that's thousands and thousands of dollars. Right. So, so let's say that, you know, going back, I need another hobby, but right now it's investing. And so I have a etrader.com account. And every time I get paid, I'm taking $200 and I'm, you know, reading some articles and I'm investing. Mm-hmm. So I, I pay taxes on that 200 that I'm investing on my own. And then if I pull it out, I'm going to pay taxes on that too, or, you know, whatever happens there. But if I set this um, 403B up, I'm not paying taxes on that 2,400 if I'm doing 200 a month, right? Right. That's not taxable. Correct. And that's, I mean, that just seems like a no brainer if you can do that. And on top of that, if you're in, if you're enrolled in social security, pastors have to pay double social security because they're technically self-employed. So you have to pay that social security, Medicare tax. So that's, that's a bummer each year, but whatever you put into your 403B, you don't have to pay Mm -hmm. the social security, Medicare. So that's another added tax benefit. So that's again, tax benefits we can get, we want. Oh yeah. Like what I always tell people is, I mean, you need to pay your taxes, but there's no rule that says you have to leave uncle Sam a tip. So don't pay more than you have to be smart Mm -hmm. about it. And that's, that's for pastors. That really is the best thing going. That's awesome. That's, that's really good advice. So let's say that, okay, I'm, I'm past where I want, I want to talk to somebody and I want them to help me to do this. Or could they get a hold of you? You know, I mean, that Edward Jones, what would be a recommendation? Yeah, absolutely. I I think um, there's a lot of, I've, I've talked to a lot of people in this industry. There's a lot of really great advisors and people that have a heart to serve and give great advice. So this is certainly not like a, Hey, you need to work with Nate Skelly and everybody else 
is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what's important though, when you, when you're identifying somebody that you want to work with, number one, you want to understand, okay, what is our relationship going to look like? What are you going to do for me? Am I just going to give you money and you're going to manage that money? And that's going to be the extent of it. Are we going to, t- what other aspects are we going to cover? Are we going to talk about taxes? Are we going to talk about insurance? Are we going to talk about budget, debt pay down, whatever the case may be, because everybody's coming at it from a different angle. You know, what are you looking for your advisor to give you advice on? Right. Um, number two, how is your advisor going to get paid? What's this arrangement? Because, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, we're not in this business for free. You know, mm-hmm. we need to make money too, but how advisors make money, that's, it's very different and it, it depends and you need to understand the incentive. Okay. Um, which way is my advisor incentivized in this situation? That's an important component of it. The, what they're, they're, what they're telling me to do, why are they telling me to do that? Mm-hmm. What's, what's the underlying reason? And then thirdly, I think you need to look for somebody that you work well with. Okay. So yeah, maybe for me, okay. Um, yeah, Nate, you're, you're going to do the things that I'm looking for you to do. And I, I like the way that you're compensated, but I just don't feel like maybe we're the right fit for whatever reason, personality wise or distance or, you know, so I think those three things you need to look at. What is the advisor going to do for you? How are they going to be paid? And is this somebody that I feel like I can work well with on a personality standpoint mm-hmm. as well? Those would be the That's top great. three. That's great. That's really good. And and so we got this um, young pastor that's hearing this right now. He's very excited. He knows what we're talking about. It's legit. But, you know, with six kids and with what he's making right now, there's just no way. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we did a, a couple podcasts, Nate, on, you know, a side hustle or, you know, going out and, and getting that um, maybe just something part-time, not necessarily completely bivocational, but, but something part-time we can do. Is that something that you've recommended or you've seen the other guys do and, and been able to use that to help invest, you know, in their future? Yeah, I, I think it's great. Obviously, first of all, you want to make sure that whatever your commitment to your ministry is, this is not going to overlap on that, mm-hmm. that this is something you're going to be able to balance your ministry responsibilities, your family responsibilities, and then your work responsibility in that order. So, yeah. you know, as long as you can, with the understanding that that's going to be the case, a lot of benefits from that. Number one, like a lot of guys will do maybe like a UPS or a FedEx or some type of job where they have very real benefits. You know, they, maybe it's a 20 an hour, 20 hour a week, 20, 20 hour a week job, but healthcare is provided through that job a 401k with a match. So, you know, you, they put 5% of their paycheck in and they get 5% match. Um, but then also even social security, as we talked about, maybe a guy has opted out, but through this side job, he's still earning money and his quarters for social security. So all of those can be great. Now, if a guy is looking for a side hustle, maybe beyond just like a, a an hourly type job, but wants to do something maybe a little bit more entrepreneurial. I think that's great as well. There's, there's some guys I know of. Um, I was just talking to um, Ryan Flanders who has, he's a pastor in Virginia and he's got bounce house company. Oh, he, does, yeah. yep. he does great with it. And it's just something that he knew and tried and built on it. And he works really hard at it. So find something maybe that you're good at, that you have a background in and you can build on. And that's great as well. But certainly, I mean, I, I feel like a side hustle can be a great way for pastors to sort of yeah. meet that gap and be able to have extra funds to invest for the future. Well, it's, it's good advice. You know, one of the things you said about Ryan, Ryan's a great guy and a friend. It's what he knows. 
And yes. so when I was in North Carolina, the budget was tight and, and we went in knowing what I was going to make. It wasn't a surprise. So how are we going to make ends meet? And I wanted to invest. And so we were just doing Edward Jones. So I opened up, I was in martial arts my whole life, Taekwondo my whole life. I opened up, I started teaching lessons in the gym, you know, at, you know, seven o'clock on Tuesday night and nine o'clock on Saturday morning. I'm going to do, you know, Taekwondo lessons. Well, then it grew to so big. I had to get my own building and, and things were rolling, but it, it was Tuesday night, Thursday night. It ended up being in on a Saturday morning and the whole family did it together. Yeah. And in my kids, it was just a huge playground for them. You know, yeah. this big building with a, a, a mat we can do flips on. This is great. This is recess, you know, extended. And it allowed us to start that investing and have that extra money to do that. Changing, changing gears from investing. Okay, let's talk about debt for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some, some might be listening that they have student debt. You know, um, some might be listening that, you know, hey, I bought that car and I shouldn't have bought that car. And now I'm in, I know I'm in debt or, you know, credit cards just got the best of me. I, I you know, it just, I, I bought this on credit and then I did this on credit. And before I knew it, you know, now I'm stuck. And, and, you know, I was a Dave Ramsey guy early on in ministry. I had pictures of, you know, when I was driving my car, I'd have an umbrella in my car because the rain's coming in my car because I paid a hundred dollars for it because I didn't want any debt. But what, what is advice to give guys when it comes to debt and finances is all debt, bad debt. Cause you know, you got Grant Cardone who's saying, man, get this real estate, you know, let this, this debt work for you. Um, where, where do we stand with that, Nate? Yeah, I, well, that, I mean, that's, that's great. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of chuckling about the, the umbrella and the car. Oh, yeah. I'm just trying oh, yeah. to visualize oh, yeah. that. Oh, it's, it was, it was, oh my goodness. I paid a hundred dollars for that car and it was, um, yeah, it was, it was quite the machine. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Bubbling um, tint in the windows, you know, where the, a kid tried to put the, the Walmart tin in it, you know, and it's all bubbling up and right. Yeah. It was dandy. Uh, well, like as far as debt goes, if we just take a step back and say, okay, what does the Bible teach about debt? The Bible has a lot of warnings about the dangers of debt. The Bible says, you know, Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes, he said, it's better for you not to even vow than to vow and not be able to pay. Like it would just be better for you to not go into debt than to overcommit yourself. That being said, we look at the Old Testament, God gave the Israelites parameters for how to borrow and lend within their society. It, it was in a way to not be predatory, but he definitely intended for them to be able to borrow and, and sell amongst each other. So debt itself is not wrong. I think sometimes we just have a tendency as Christians to want to overreact to people and situations where we've seen them get, get themselves in trouble. So an illustration I always like to use is when you think about social media, do you see people who are overly commit or, or just spend way too much time on social media. It's, it's unhealthy. It's an unhealthy part of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Does that mean then we should just preach everybody get off social media because a lot of people yeah. can't handle it? Well, right. no, it's right. a tool. Some people handle it well, and it's very beneficial. Some people don't handle it well, and it's very detrimental to them. Debt is the exact same. Mm-hmm. It is a tool if you use it properly, it can be very beneficial. If you misuse it, it can be extraordinarily harmful to your finances. If you're in a situation where debt has spiraled out of control, 
Well, obviously you need to get a, a hold of that. Dave Ramsey program has helped so many people do just that. Um, I would not be a Dave Ramsey disciple in the sense that I'm like, yes, everything Dave tells you to do 100% behind it, but he has helped millions of people to make smart financial decisions just by giving them simple, easy to follow instructions. And the debt snowball is kind of synonymous with Dave Ramsey. He's not the the first guy to think of it, but he's kind of popularized the term. And and I I think many of, of your listeners will already be familiar, but for those that aren't, you know, you've got five different debt payments. You take as much money as you can from your budget and you start paying all of that on your smallest loan and make minimum payments on the rest. Right. And you put that thousand dollars back and then start. Yep. And it snowballs. I what I always recommend is something called the the debt avalanche. It's a little bit different. Instead of going with the smallest loan amount, you go with the one that has the highest interest. Mm. Um, Mathematically, it's a little bit better, pays it off faster and less interest. The snowball, Dave Ramsey likes that because it's more um, uh, psychologically, it's more beneficial because you get a win under your belt very early on and and you ride that momentum. Either way is fine. I'm not going to argue with somebody if they want to go one way or another, but you have to have a strategy. Yeah. You can't just throw your hands up and be like, oh man, this debt's killing me. What are you doing about it? I Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Well, you can't expect that's going to go away just magically. So you have to have a plan in place and attack it. And that usually means you're going to have to tighten the belt uh, for a little while and and it's going to hurt. And, but it'll get better over time. Now, for those who are not in that situation, maybe they're like, I'm thinking about taking out a mortgage to buy a house, or I'm thinking about, you know, uh, taking out a loan to go get my master's or get my doctorate. Mm -hmm. That can be a fine decision. Like going into debt is not necessarily a wrong decision, but you need to weigh that against, well, what's the benefit here? Is the benefit commensurate to the debt that I'm taking on here? Um, and only you can really answer that for yourself. Sometimes people talk about good debt, bad debt. Is there good debt? Is there bad debt? I, that's really hard to say. Like student loan can be a good debt if you're going to go be a doctor. Well, yeah, right. you're able to pay that back off because you're going to make a lot of money. But taking out a student loan to go get a degree in communications and you don't even know what you're going to do. And now you're back home and, and you're working for $14 an hour. And yeah, well, then that probably wasn't a good decision. So right. just depends. That's great advice. That's that's really good. You know, one of Dave Ramsey's statements is live like nobody else. So one day you can live like nobody else. But, you know, even going back the day after my heart attack, I'm thinking, man, you know, I've been driving these cars. We've not been taking vacation and I I wouldn't let the kids have this and we wouldn't do that. And I almost didn't make it into that stage of life where I could live like no one else. Yeah. And and so, you know, I came out three weeks later, we're on a vacation at Myrtle Beach. And because, hey, you know what, maybe this doesn't fit our financial program right now, but I need to start making memories with my children. I might not have that opportunity in the future. So I do think there's a balance. Yes, absolutely. That's that's good, man. That's good. So um, somebody wants to, they have a hobby, they're kind of, they kind of enjoy this conversation or, man, I want to learn more about how to structure my finances or how to budget or, or do this. Are there any books or websites out there, Nate, that you would recommend? Yeah. Yeah. Um, from a biblical worldview, Randy Alcorn, anything that he writes, acts of treasure principle, managing God's money. There's, he has some excellent books. 
there's another one by Ron Blue, who is uh, founder of Kingdom Advisors. He's probably kind of like the first Christian financial planner um, space. So some more comprehensive in their approach to finances. He wrote a book called Master Your Money. It's very good. It's, it's, a, it's a great balance of biblical principles, but also practical how to structure your personal finances. That's a great one. For pastors, a really great website that they should check out is called Pastors Wallet. Um, I found a lot of great, um, it just a real deep dive into very pastor-specific financial questions, social security, housing allowance, all these types of things. Great resource there. Um, there's a ton. I mean, um, let me think here. Um, uh, there, uh, there's a book called um, Five Mistakes Every Investor Makes and How to Avoid Them by Peter Malouk. Probably one of the best bottom shelf practical financial um, investing books out there. Um, Common Sense Book of Investing by Jack Bogle is another great one. There's just a, there's a wealth yeah. of resources, um, but those would be some that, that come top of mind. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. You know, I think, I think too, as you're talking about that, it, it made me think of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, very popular one. book. Yeah. And, but I think as pastors with books like that, we need to be careful. Yes. You know, because how much, how much is too much and how much do we really need? Mm-hmm. And, and I think sometimes we can, we, if we're not careful, and I say we, I think myself included, um, we can lose track of what's most important. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, he said, so he who loves silver is not going to be satisfied with mm-hmm. silver. Yeah. Um, Proverbs says, you know, money uh, takes up wings, it flies away like an eagle <laughs> toward yeah. heaven. Like when you set your goal to have more money, to make more money, that's an elusive, never-ending pursuit. Um, and yeah, and I think a lot of pastors, they're in a situations where, okay, maybe you're in like a suburban setting and you've got people in your congregation who are, yeah, they're kind of the white collar and they're making you know well into the six figures and they're doing very well. And you see the house they live in, the car they drive. And maybe you have some other people in your church that are on the, on the, other end and they're kind of struggling and you, you kind of feel like as a pastor, well, I need to be somewhere in the middle there. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like I need to maintain a certain standard of living commensurate to my congregation. And that comparison quickly becomes the thief of your joy. You know, when, when you feel like, Oh man, if I could just afford to go out to eat as often as that family does, yeah. or if I could just, you know, have the vehicle that that family does with their kids, you know, then mm-hmm. I'd be good. And I would be comfortable there. And, and you won't, you won't, if that's, if that's the way you think it, it won't stop there. Yeah. There'll always be something yeah. else. So Nate, this has been awesome, man. I love the conversation. Um, again, I'm excited. We're going to definitely get you up to faith and let you um, do some seminars and preach for us. So, you know, our listeners, man, they, they want to know more about you. They want to know, um, get a hold of you. How, how can they, how can they um, locate you on the internet and get in touch with you? Yeah, well, thanks again, Treg. I, I've really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope it's going to be a help to a lot of people. Uh, best way to get connected with me is, um, first of all, Facebook. Um, you can find me on there. It's Nathaniel Skelly. Um, then also Financial Pathway. So nateskelly.com is my website. That tells you a little bit about my business and what I do there. But I think the thing that I would, I would most want people to connect with is probably the podcast that I do, Financial Pathway Podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And what I try to do is bring just a, a mix of 
biblical worldview, but also just really practical, um, hands-on things that you can do for your finances. And I love doing that. And I feel like a lot of people have, that's, that's resonated with a lot of people because I love podcasts and yeah. I'm somebody who listens to podcasts all the time. So I'm, I'm always glad to, to jump on somebody else's podcast. And, um, and I just, I, for me, it's a way for me to learn, expand my knowledge and grow in that area. Well, Nate, thank you so much, man, for taking time and for being with us. And I know this will be a, a real help to many and man, they've got a lot of resources. We have a lot of resources now and places to check out books to order and things to think about and the biblical principles to carry with us, I think is, you know, God's called us to be wise. And these are just some great illustrations on how we can be wise with our finances and good stewards of what God has given to us. Yeah, so glad Nate, to thank it. you. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. And guys, thank you for listening, tuning in today for another episode of Art of the Assistant.